Okay, so let's learn Das Taira Parsha Shemais on the Pasuk Vayigdal Hayelad Vativiyehu Labas Parai Vayilolaben. The child grew up and they brought him back to Bas Parai after Meshe Rabbeinu's mother was uh, nursing him all that time. And then Vayilolaben, Bas Parai adopted Meshe Rabbeinu as a son. Uvevin Ezra. What does the Ibn Ezra write on this? Or the Ibn Ezra? Umachshaves Hashem Amku. Umiyochal Lamid Besaidai. The thoughts of Hashem are so deep. And who would be able to really understand the secrets of Hashem? And only to He alone uh, does the plans, are the plans revealed and known. Ulai Sivev Hashem Zesh Yigdal Mesh Vives Hamalchos, Lias Nafshoi Al Madrega Halyaina, Bedera Halimid Varagilus, Felicia Shvela Uragila, Lias Vives Avadim. Says the Ibn Ezra that do you ever wonder why the Hashkacha had it that Mesh Rabbeinu would be raised in the house of power of all places? It's such a it's such an irony, if you think about it, that Parim made this whole gezera about throwing the babies in the Nile. Why? Because his his of his um, the people that were able to see the uh, um, the constellations and the, the the soothsayers, they said to him that today is the day that Mashiach Shal Yisrael is going to be born. So because of that, he made a gezera not only on um, the, the Jewish babies, but even the Gaisha babies, even the Mitzrim had to be thrown into the Nile because he didn't know, they weren't clear whether or not he was going to be a Jew or it might have been a Gaisha Mashiach uh, Yisrael, a Gaisha savior that Kla Yisrael would have. So everybody was killed. And then in the end, his own daughter goes and fishes him out of, fishes this Mashiach Yisrael out of the Nile and adopts him. Para raises him in his own home Right under his nose, he's raising, he's feeding, he's giving uh, uh, shelter to the Mashiach Shal Yisrael. It, it, it's it's a beautiful twist of irony, right? It, it could be, it would make a great movie if it wasn't a chumash. But this is uh, this is the way it happens. So the Ibn Ezra says that the ways of Hashem are so deep. Why is it that Akhirish Baruch Hu did it this way? Why wouldn't we be able to have Meshra Beno raised in a in a farm? And why does Meshra Rabbeinu have to be raised of all places in a palace? Couldn't he be raised in anywhere, just in a place of safety? So the Ibn Ezra says that perhaps the reason why Hashem did it this way is because Meshra Rabbeinu was going to be the leader of Kal Yisrael. He was going to be Jewish royalty. He was going to be a person that had to lead Kal Yisrael with nobility, with aristocracy, uh, with, with talent, and so he needed, in a way, to be, to be developed and to be nurtured and to be raised in a palace. And he had to understand the trappings of power and he had to be able to feel that he was, uh, he was up of you know, a very high social status so that it, he would feel that way. That was very important for him, as opposed to him being raised in a lowly, ordinary, pedestrian type of environment in a base of Adim. 
And look what happens. He kills a Mitzri because he saw that he was doing something corrupt. Why did he do that? Where did he get that from? Where did Moshe Rabbeinu get that sense of, of, of justice and that sense of, uh, of propriety? He got that because he wasn't raised in a barn. He was raised in a, in a palace. He was raised with nobility, probably had uh, you know, the finest tutors, and he was able to, uh, to, 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 to be treated like royalty. Also, Vaishia ben Ismidjan me'arayim. He saved Ben Ismidjan from the shepherds. Bavur shaya Isim chamas lahashka isainan me'amayim shadalu. That he, he they wanted to uh, they wanted to not allow the girls to uh, to feed their sheep. Um, so because of that, Moshe Rabbeinu came to their rescue because he had this sense of 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 propriety and of uh, royalty, of dignity. And so he did the right thing because that's what happens when you raise the king. You're not raised, um, you know, as, a, as somebody that doesn't uh, care about doing the right thing. We see amazing things here, says Rabbi Rucham. The first thing that we learn from the Sibin Ezra is how important it is to be mechunach properly, to be prepared for godless. This is something that we, uh, that we have to understand. We're going to speak about it in Mirza Hashem the Shmuz on Friday a little bit more, but the importance of raising somebody from their earliest stages to be great. If a person is raised with a certain uh, sense of purpose and nobility, then that's the way the person generally will develop. Meshur Abenu was for sure freed of all Taivas. Ukvar Kosov Ibn Ezra, and like the Ibn Ezra famously says by the parish of Nazir, all people are slaves to the Taivas Ilam. We're all, we're all very much um, in the shackles of Taiva. Some are interested in, in taivas of food, some are interested in taivas of women, some are interested in taivas of uh, vacations. But everybody has that, that avdus. In fact, Revolbi writes in the Al-Ashur that when you make a bracha in the morning of Shalei Asani Oved, you're supposed to ask yourself, am I taka not an Eved? Am I truly a ben Chayrin? Because truth be told, we do have these... Uh, these needs and these uh, this this avdus that we all we all uh, struggle with. We're avadim to something. It might be avadim to uh, the internet, to YouTube, to movies, to to video games, to food, whatever it is. But we all have, or many of us have these types of taivas. So the Ibn Ezra says, "The Melech be'emes, who's the true king?" that walks around with a crown of royalty on his head, if somebody's able to rid himself of Tibus, to break away from Tibus, he's a king. Everyone else is an Evid, but he's a king. The stronger person, people think the opposite, right? We think that 
you know, what defines a person as being very, uh, very cool and very uh, independent and very free to be able to do any type of that they want, right? So we look at uh, celebrities and we look at different people that are, that are wealthy and we say, well, that's amazing. He's, he's able to do anything he wants, whenever he wants, on his terms, and that's, you know, he's, he's chashev. The Ibn Ezra says, no, he's the avid. That person that does anything that he wants and he's an evet to his taivas, he's a slave to the taivas. He has no control. Somebody that is able to actually look at something and say, it looks gishmak, but I'm not going to do it because it's wrong or it's not good for me, it's not healthy. That's a person that is truly a melech. He's, and that's, he says it by the parish of Nazir, the Ibn Ezra. He says that a Nazir, why is a Nazir called a Nazir? Because a nazir is a nazir, it's from a lashon of a crown. A nazir is able to have a crown on his head. The puzzle says, nazir like He has a crown of his, uh, uh, on his head because he's royalty in the sense that he was able to look at taivas, whether it's the taiva of, 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 uh, of having uh, hair or wine or all these, uh, or going, whatever it is, he wanted to restrict himself, he wanted to limit the, the, the pleasures of this world. So therefore, he, he does, he's macabre himself in the zero, so he, he takes a crown on, him, on his head, as it were. So Meshur Abenu, no doubt, was a melech in and of itself. He didn't need the base malchus necessarily for that. He had no type, says the, says Rabbi Rucham. But nevertheless, it didn't hurt to raise Meshur Rabbeinu in the house of the palace of Parai. It's true that he was naturally a melech. Meshur Rabbeinu wasn't going after any tithes whatsoever. But at the same time, it's important to be trained and to be raised in a, in a manner that, that befits malchus. Our, our idea of malchus today is... Uh, you know, I guess in, in, in England, the royal family, but, you know, it didn't turn out too well exactly. But in the sense that, uh, you know, that they were raised with a certain, you know, they, they, it was understood that every child that was born into, in, the, in Buckingham Palace, today it's a, it's, it's a ceremonial position anyway. And, but, you know, at least back in the day, look at Queen Elizabeth herself. She's, I don't know, she's in her 90s, I guess, and she's very, you know, she happens to carry herself with great dignity. The next generation and the generation after, they became, you know, they, they were affected by, by modern society and by, you know, whatever was happening inside the palace that wasn't so, so great. But, but in, the, in days of old, like, the monarchy was raised with a silver spoon in their mouth. They were raised to understand their responsibility to the, to the malucha, to the, to, to, to the empire, and how they have to behave in public and they have to conduct themselves and, and always represent the, the crown. And that's what Meshra bin, he was mamish raised in the house of Arsa. He was taught these things. He was taught etiquette. He was taught how to be dignified. He was taught how to, how to reign in his, his taibis in a, not just naturally, but also as a, as a matter of, of who he was, as a function of being a member of the royal family. And when you're trained in something from an early age, it, it has a reshim on you. 
Ve'omnam kvar matzinu b'chazal mevakr mes Yaakov avino al karo la'esav adin. We find that there was a criticism against Yaakov avino that he called Esav adin. He called him my master. V'zel l'shayin rido ben b'rabi siman pasach matayimri ki yifkait alecha v'yat lamadta isam alecha alufim l'reish. Amla HaKadosh Baruch Hu L'Darkai Hayim HaHalech Ve'ato Mishalech Etzloi Ve'aymer Loi Kayam Abduch HaYakov This is what you do, you, you, you call yourself an Eved, an Eved to Esav? I, I taught you better, this is not how I, how, I, how I trained you, this is not what I wanted from you. When Yaakov called Esav my master, you lowered yourself. He did it no less than eight times. I'm going to mamid from his sons, from Esav is going to have eight generations of kings before you get one generation of king. What was the critique that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was uh, sending to Yaakov? What did he do wrong? He, it's, a, it's an Avera to say Adaini. He, he didn't say anything per se. The Chisaron that was detected and what Yaakov did was that you lacked Malchus. There was something wrong on your midas hamalchus. That's not a. It's not what an aristocrat would do. It's not what somebody that has really a feeling that he's special, that he's royalty would do. You never bow to somebody. You never. You never lower yourself. If you're representing the crown, you're not. You're not. You're not in any way kowtowing to somebody, calling them my master. That you're. You're my my lord, my master. You're. You're the master. How can you with a midas hamalchus? Look at Esav and say, Adaini, that you're my, you're, my, you're my master. How do you do that? HaKadosh Baruch had tremendous tainus against Yaakov for this. It's not easy to attain the Midah of Malchus, to really feel royal. And it takes a lot. It takes a lot to be able to attain that Midah HaMalchus. But, but a person that has Midah HaMalchus carries himself or herself differently than a, than a regular pedestrian. Pedestrian people are people that, you know, whatever they do, they do, they don't, it doesn't really bother them what they wear and what they say and how they act and what they, they could act silly, they could act in a way that's, uh, that's inappropriate and they could joke. And they, somebody that has a midas hamalchus always carries themselves in a certain way. You're not going to find somebody that has midas hamalchus cheap in themselves. And if they do, then it's, uh, it will be a tremendous uh, embarrassment, not just for them, but for the entire country that they are supposed to represent. And, um, can we posit also that the reason why Kevin Brock was upset at Yaakov for calling Asa and Adam could be also because he wasn't a Vakish, sorry, he wasn't Kovish Yitzra, but he as well? How could you call him Adam? Because uh, Asa wasn't Kovish Yitzra? You mean he wasn't? It's beneath Yaakov to call an addendum to what we're going to say. Could also be because he wasn't exuding this. this he himself wasn't an other in status. He wasn't. Could be. Right. That could be. Vashenis. So that's one lesson that we learned. That and it's important for us because we are, we are supposed to also be nobility. 
we're we're bnei Taira, We learn yeshiva. We learn Taira, We rep, we represent something bigger than ourselves. We're not just ambassadors for ourselves. We're ambassadors for Taira. People. We might not look at ourselves as role models, but other people certainly look at us as as somebody that's supposed to be more elevated. And so we have to carry ourselves in a way that's befitting us. And I think I told you this. I was once in a in a shul. And um, where I, before we moved to Queens, I lived in Brooklyn. I davened in a shul. I have a, a rav. And, um, and I was sitting next to him. And I, they were, it was by a kiddish. After davening, you know, they, they had a kiddish. There weren't enough plates. It's a silly example. It just came into my head. But um, so, you know, they had, they made kiddish. And then they had like a cake platter in the middle. So I took a piece of cockish cake. There was no plate to eat on. But so, you know, uh, you just like, you know, you just put it in your mouth. I hope nobody's looking. And, you know, I was sitting next to the Rav and he says, Maisha, he says, yeah, that's not the way you eat a piece of cake. I was like, but there's no place. He says, if there's no plate, you don't eat the piece of cake. You don't, the, the, a king would not sit with a, you know, just, you know, you don't, that's not, that's the way uh, a regular person does things. But if you're a Ben Taira, if you're somebody that's supposed to carry yourself you know, higher than that, then it's a nuance. It's not like something that, but that's what he's saying. You have, it, it needs training. It's not like, it's not naturally easy to do this. You don't, you don't pick this up, you know, because if you're not raised like that, if you're raised in a barn, then you, you're, you know, then you, then you, you, you act like a farmhand. That's the way it is. If you're raised in a, in a palace, that they know exactly, you know, how many forks and how many spoons and where they go and what kind of, how, which, which is the wine goblin and which is the regular glass and which is this and schnapps. And, you know, if you're raised like that, then I'm not just talking about, obviously, you know, the trappings of power. I'm talking about the whole mohosa being somebody that's, that's raised, that's elevated, that acts appropriately at all times. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a work. It's a work in progress, but that's really what separates people that are chashev and people that are, that are not. And that's called Midas HaMachas. That's what Rabbi Yerucham says. Is the and that's why Meishu Rabbeinu, that's the first lesson that we learned from the Sibin Ezra, that Meishu Rabbeinu was raised in the, pa- in, in, the, in the palace of Parai. It had to be that way. It wasn't just, uh, just a cool thing, a cool you know, twist of fate that, uh, that he ended up there. It had to be this way. If you're creating a leader, a manig of Klal Yisrael, it has to be that he understands the better things in life. He understands how to carry himself and how to treat people and how to deal with and how to understand right from wrong and justice from injustice. Vashenis says, the second thing that we learned from the Sibin Ezra, Lirais Nairais, Ezo Hachana Haisan Nitzreches, Lachal Hamesha we see also how much preparation it takes, besides for the fact that, that you have to have Midas HaMalchas and you have to be trained, but to create a Meish Rabbeinu, a lot has to go into you in order for that to happen. It doesn't just happen by accident. It wasn't just, you know, he, uh, he was in the right place at the right time. In order to be a person that would take Claudius out of Egypt to prepare them or to prepare for him to be prepared for Kabbalah Satira, Hatayv Ayin the good eye, the generosity of spirit, 
He gave it to Klal Yisrael. He shattered the luchas in front of them. In order to prepare oneself, you needed to go through the base malchus. You needed to be in that palace. In order that the person's nefesh should be on an elevated madrega, if a person, not just that you carry yourself differently, but you won't be able to be a receptacle of chachma, of wisdom, and, and doing the things the right way, if you have a nefesh fail, if you have a lowly soul, if you don't have that, the trappings of, of monarchy. The Admar Hasavam Kalam, the Altafan Kalam used to say, and he wrote it in Chachmo Musar, Ki Herech Hakosa Betoldois Mesha, Kad Mishalcha Hashem Latzlos Yisraelmiad Pari. The Torah gives a lot of, it doesn't really even say the whole story of Meish Rabbeinu, but it gives us a lot of biography about Meish Rabbeinu. There's a lot, as much as we know about Meish Rabbeinu in the Torah, there's plenty more that's unspoken, but we have a lot of Chazal and a lot of Midrashim. Uh, he was away from Eretz Yisrael in, uh, you know, in Midjan by Yisrael for many, many decades. And, you know, it seems like in the Torah, it's like one aliyah, so you think like it's all, uh, you know, it happened in two minutes. But really there was, I don't know, does anyone remember how many years exactly he was, he was outside? It was a very long time from the time that he ran away from power until he actually came back as, as the manik. Um, well, let's figure it out. He was, he died at 120. He was in the Midbar for 40 years. So that would be, uh, so that is what, uh, 80? 80. So, yeah, so yeah, and that's about when he came back to Mitzrayim a couple of years before the Shiva was over, let's say. So, you know, so he was away, I think he was 70 years away from Eretz Israel, something like that. 60, 70 years, a long, long period of time, like most of his life. We don't know much about it. He was in Midjan, he was, I think he became the king of Midjan, even. There was, there was a lot of, there's a lot of, what? Yeah, he was king somewhere else. Yeah, there's a, a, long, a lot of biography behind Meishu Rabbeinu that we don't know because it's not so clear in the Torah and we don't, but there are Chazal and if you want to see it more about I think the Alkut Ma'am Layez, you could read a lot about the, the, the back story of Meishu Rabbeinu. But, um, and then there's that, that biography that, are, you know, um, Let My People Go, and if you know what that is, like a so, I think I think that's that's called from a lot of medrashim. He made more of a story out of, but it's all based on medrashim. So you get if you want to read up on that, you know. But there was uh, a lot a lot of things happened to Meish Rabbeinu before he became the king, before he became the Melech of Klal Yisrael. Laidia, and this comes to teach us as the altar. He wasn't chosen by chance. It wasn't just an accidental, you know, an accidental manig Yisrael. 
And the Torah wasn't just given to him, wow, okay, you know, he, he, won, he won a lottery. He had this mida of that he cared about other people, he was sensitive, he was uh, sympathetic and empathetic with others. That's one of the Kenyani Atayra. You get the Torah through this sensitivity. This is along the lines that we just said, that Meish Rabbeinu needed a lot of training to become who he was. Become who he was. You know, I always thought about, if you look at, like, G'dayla Yisrael, uh, not just in our generation, but really for many, many, maybe forever, generally speaking, G'dayla Yisrael were sons of G'dayla Yisrael. You ever notice that? You ever have David Feinstein. Rabbi David Feinstein was a son of Rabbi Feinstein. Uh, Rabbi Shmuel Kamenetsky is a Yibad Chaim, a son of uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. Um, and the list goes on and on. We could go, you know, there's many, uh, it, this is the way it works. And many times in Klal Yisrael you have uh, a lot of the, a lot of Rosh Hashivas are, they're sons of, 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 of other Rosh Hashivas. Um, you know, Gedal Yashar, Azari Chashava, sons, uh, you know, the Shor, the, the Rabbanim Shor, um, in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Shlomo Zaman, Arabach, Arab Shmuel, you know, the list goes on and on. So you, I always used to wonder, like, is it just because, you know, they already had the name recognition, like, you know, Shkayach, his name is Feinstein, so of course they're going to make him, they're going to put him on the Mayatzis. If his name was Goldberg, would he still be on the Mayatzis? I don't know, but I think that the answer is, you know, that it's not that it's not that they they became gedalim because, you know, because they happen to have good yichas and you know and and they have name recognition and you know and and let it roll, you know, like if the if, if their father was gedalim, so you know let Rishmol come. It's because they were raised in a house of godless that they became roy to be themselves gedalim. If not for the way that they were brought up, they were raised to be Gedalim. They were raised to have Malchus. And, and so it's not coincidental that throughout history you're going to find you know, many, many Gedalim that were sons of other Gedalim. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's and, but it's shocking when it doesn't. You know, when if I tell you Rashiva and his sons are not, you know, well, you know, well, you know he's working, he's this, he's that, you know, how did that happen? Most of the time, Gedalim have very often like sons that are also Rosh Hashiva, because they were raised that way. They were raised to be Gedalim. They were raised with a sensitivity. They were raised with a, with a godless. You know, um, I think they asked once of David Feinstein, uh, you know, your father is always, I don't know if it was David or, or Ruben, his brother, but it's a famous story. Like, how did you know that your father loved you, like, you know, he was always so busy, like, how did, how did you know that he loved you, like, so he says, I, there was never a doubt in my mind that my father loved me, or my show, it was, it was clear, so how do you know, he says, well, uh, two things, I think, maybe, I think it was two things primarily that came to mind, he says, first of all, we always had very important dignitaries at our house, 
whether they were prime ministers of Israel, whether they were government officials, whether they were Rosh Hashivas, whatever they were, a lot of Shabbosim, a lot of dinners, a lot that people used to always eat by us, and always stay by us. But our seats were our seats. We never were moved. It wasn't, you know, David, let's say, sat next to his father. That was his seat. It could be that you had a prime minister. He'd have to sit next to David, finally. But you would not, you wouldn't have, um, you know, he would not be like pushed out of the way just because somebody else came. He says, that's one way. And the other way that I knew that my father said every morning, you know, they, they lived in the Lower East Side in an apartment. And on the, in the cold winter nights, like tonight, my father would come into our room early in the morning, right before he went out to yeshiva, and he'd put our pants on the radiator. You know, they had a radiator to warm them up, so when we put on our pants, it, it felt warm. And my father, every morning in the winter, that's what he did. He says, that's how I know that my father always loved me. He always he cared for me. He was like, he gave us dignity. It wasn't just, these aren't just nice, heartwarming stories. This is how you produce... A gadol. This is how they, they were made to feel malchastik. Like this is my seat. What do you mean? But but the prime minister of the state of Israel is coming for supper. Too bad. He, he, so how does a child feel when that you feel malchus? You feel okay. That means I'm special. I have something royal about me. Chasidah Shereb is same thing. You know, they're all is one after another. You were you know if your father was the rebbe, after your father dies, you become the rebbe. At the the minig by Chasidim is that at the Kvura itself, they're Mamlech, the new Rebbe. They just put the Rebbe, and it's like, you know, long, the king is dead, long, long live the king. Like, you know, they, they bury one Rebbe, and then they right away are Machter, they, they crown the new Rebbe as king. And that's the Minig by Chasidim. And, you know, so you wonder, like, uh, you know, maybe somebody else is more suited than, no. They're suited to be the Rebbe because they were, they were the son of the Rebbe. The Rebbe trained them how to, be, how to be kind to people, how to daven for people, how to, how to, how to give brachas to people, how to fear a tish. How to, these are things that they were trained to do. And, you know, this is something that when we get married, when we have children, it's, it's a good thing to, to keep in mind that don't look at you just raising your kid, just raising your kid. You want to raise your kid to have good values, to, be, to have royalty, to be special, with good midas, and with, you know, it's not always easy. And, and you know, the diarists are getting very difficult to raise because there's so many distractions and there's so many... But, but that's when you're, when you're starting out in life and you're discussing with the Mitzvah Shem, your future wife, like what you want to... how you picture your house, you have to try. You know, if you take my advice, it's, you know, to, to raise your children to feel special to feel that there is something important about what their life is and to, you know, that to set important goals for them and to constantly remind them how, how important their mission in life is and to help them throughout you know, every stage of life to make sure that they know that you're there for them and you love them, you're giving them confidence and you're giving them space. You have to give space to your children. You can't micromanage them either. But to do everything in a way that you really have a concerted goal in mind for your child, to raise them special. And that's the only way that you can raise somebody. I'm not talking about raising a, a God of Israel or raising a Hasidic Rebbe. Or raise, it's just to raise a good person. That's, that's the greatest thing to do. But to raise a good person today, you have to put a lot of kaychas into that child. 
You have to make sure that they feel good about themselves, that they're not in any way insulted or abused or hurt or, or made to feel like you, you know, you're triangulating and you're, you're, you're creating envy between siblings. And you have to, it's, it's a very big avayda. It's the, you know, people, the smart people always say that, you know, it's, you need a, a license to drive, you need a license to get married, but you don't need a license to have kids. And kids are the most, it's the hardest thing to do to raise a normal, healthy child. But like anyone can do it. There's no, there's no courses you have to take necessarily. And there's no, you could take courses, but you don't have to. You know, to drive a car, to, you know, drive, to, to ride, to drive a boat, you need a license. But, uh, but to raise a child, no, nah, you know, it goes, it just happens by itself. But it doesn't. And we know that it doesn't. We see that there's, you know, a lot of people out there that, that are raised in a very, very bad way, and they're not, uh, you know, and it's, uh, and, and society uh, has a lot of tsaras from people that are raised bad. So it behooves us to learn from Meshra Rabbeinu, the Sirbiruchim is telling us how to raise not just a child, but a, a special child, a leader, a leader amongst men. It has to be done in an atmosphere of royalty, in, in, a, in a base, it doesn't have to be a base power, but a base malchus. And if you raise a child in a base malchus with the right values and the right upbringing, then that will enable the person to at least have the kaychas and nefesh to do great things with their life.